Our second reading this morning is from the Gospel according to John, chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I have said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy, holy God creator of us all, source of our spirit and maker of our flesh. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for this life. And may you put into my mouth the words you would have me speak and take from my mouth those you would not. Amen. So for folks who were at Westminster, uh, who were here last week and who maybe picked up on, on this, you'll notice that this morning we read the same text that we read last week. And as I was preparing to preach this week, John 3 is one of those chapters, I feel like, that sneaks up on me. Because if you say John 3.16 to anyone, they know it. And yet, if you say John 3.1 to 17, you may miss it. In fact, you may actually miss it as I'm reading it until you get to chapter 15, maybe the end, and whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Maybe you're like, wait, that's familiar. 
and then you get the next chapter, the next verse, and you're like, wait a second, that's real familiar. Like, that's real familiar. Like, that's familiar, like, if you were to ask anybody a Bible verse, maybe folks who don't know the Bible at all, they'll answer with John 3.16. It's maybe, I would say, one of the key texts, if not the key text, for us as Christians, who are, or those who are seeking to follow and understand Jesus and what he meant and what he means today. And so as I was preparing this week, I was thinking about this text from last week and how we read this text as this is the first sin. And then we read so often John 3.16 is like, oh, this is where it's fixed. You have this sort of nice companion with these two texts. And so I thought, what a beautiful opportunity to really be able to sit with this because I think there's a little more to it. I think there's maybe something to that. And yet what was interesting to me as I was reading Genesis, text from Genesis, and as I was reading again today, are two things that stand out. One is that the word sin is never mentioned. The word sin is never mentioned in the Genesis story. It doesn't, it's not mentioned. It's not mentioned in John either, nor is Jesus' death. The cross is not mentioned in this first part of John. Now, throughout John, Jesus actually talks about his death a lot. He talks, he says, this is coming. There's, of all of the Gospels, John is its own kind of thing. And, and throughout John, one of the things that's interesting is that Jesus from the get-go says, it's not my time. And a lot of times when he's alluding to that, he's actually talking about what is going to happen on the cross as a way of getting to resurrection. We talk about Lent. Yes, it does go through Easter, but Lent is not, a, or it does go through Good Friday, but Lent is not about Good Friday. It is about Easter. It is about Easter. And so when I take these texts, this one from Genesis and this one from John, and I realize, as, I, as we talked about last week, as I talked about last week at Westminster, this Genesis text, as much as we want to say it's this really browbeating, this is when everything went wrong, a lot of the reading and understanding of this text and the way that I think we're being invited to understand this text is to really look at, these are folks who are trying, this story is about people who are trying to make sense of why it is that we suffer. Why things are painful. And the Hebraic way of reading this, Jewish read of the, reading this text, is that this is sort of what it is to be alive. Right? When you're aware of your own mortality, when you're aware of these things, when you get caught up in this knowledge, this understanding, this recognition that we are born, that things are painful and difficult, and that our bodies die. It's what happens when we get caught up in that kind of thinking that we tend to go down this real scarcity mindset when we get caught into this reality that these bodies are finite. And that's what I love about reading this text from John, because as I read this text from the beginning of the chapter, and I read in and I then get to 3.16, which is all from Jesus. So this is all a long quote from Jesus. Jesus is talking about, he is sharing this story. And so as I read 3.1 to 16, I found myself sort of trying to figure out, what is this actually about? What is Jesus actually saying? Because I do believe that the keynote or the point of the text is 316. That God had so much love for the world that God gave God's son. Doesn't say gave God's son to death. That's important. That's important to note. That's important. But before that, what I kept getting tossed around about is what is Jesus talking about, about being born of the spirit and born of the body? When he talks about being born of water and born of flesh, it's important to note that I think those things are parallel. He said, we're mostly water. 
We're mostly water. When we talk flesh, we're water. So you have flesh and spirit. Flesh and spirit. You have water, which is part of us here. It's part of us here. So as I read these stories together, and even if you go back to the Genesis story, shortly after what happens when Adam and Eve have to leave the Garden of Eden, they go, there's not the word punishment that comes up. The punishment doesn't come up. The word is not Adam and Eve. In fact, God sews clothing for Adam and Eve before sending them on their way. They cover themselves with fig leaves here, and just in a couple of minutes, God is like, you got to go because you know stuff you're not supposed to know. So you got to go. I'm going to prepare you as best I can. I'm going to sew clothing for you. I'm going to send you on your way. I'm going to tell you that it's painful. It's difficult. But I'm going to also tell you that it doesn't have to be. I'm going to tell you that it doesn't have to be. We talk, I've talked again and again and again about how when God gives God's name, God says, I am. If you want to know me, No, I am. What does that mean? It means I am present in being. I am here in your being. Now, it's important to distinguish our being and our thinking. Our being is not our thinking. Our thinking is connected to our ego. Our thinking is connected to our body. Our thinking is connected to all of the things that we have been taught about who we are and who the world is and how we interact in both of those things. So often when thinking about meditation and mindfulness lately, one of the things that's been most striking to me as I consider my body, as I think about my lungs, they do what they need to do. They help me breathe. My heart, it needs blood. It does what it needs to do. But what I've missed until just recently is my brain. Because my brain is part of this body. My brain thinks. That's what it needs to do. It's part of the body. My brain, when this body dies, will die. My brain will go bye-bye. It will be mush. It will be dirt. It's mostly water anyway. And yet, there is this sense of who I am that is not confined to my body or my heart, to my brain, There is a sense of knowing who I am when I am still, when I am being, when I am feeling the wind on my face or the connection with another soul. I could look at Pastor Barbara in the eyes right now and I could experience it. I tell you the truth, but I would be too caught up in the beauty of that moment to be able to continue. That is holy. That is being. So here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm thinking is maybe, maybe we were born into these bodies and there was a veil that was put over our eyes so that we may not know how beautiful we are. Because maybe the invitation for these lives is to actually learn that. Because I know, just as I'm thinking about looking at Pastor Barbara, right, face-to-face having this moment, that I know the power of that moment. Because I know that a few minutes ago, Pastor Barbara and I had a conversation where she held my hand and she said, I just want to be sure that I know how to engage you and see you in the fullness of who you are. What is the name that I should use for you? So I know that was a holy moment. That's different than my body because I also know what it is to actually be asked my name. 
I know what a gift that is to be seen. But I know that also because I know the pain of not being asked my name. I know the pain of not being seen. We all do. We all know the pain of not being seen. We all know the pain of heartbreak. We all know the pain of terror. We all know the pain of fear, isolation. But I think what we're hearing here is that those things are connected to our bodies. And that through and under it all, there is a spirit that is profound, that is actually all that is. So here, as I read this, I wonder if maybe, just as Adam and Eve had that veil, that knowledge, right? The thing is that knowledge, which is so great, my brain, which works so well. I love my brain. I love my heart. I love my lungs. But my brain is tricky because sometimes my brain can trick me into thinking that it is being. My brain is not being. My spirit is being. My spirit is being. Those are different. So here's what I'm thinking is that maybe God saw Adam and Eve and saw these people early on trying to figure out how to live. By the way, Adam translates just as an per earth person, earth man. Eve translates to life. She's referred to as the mother of all living things. Earth gives birth to life, gives form. Earth breaks forth in life. We're born without a way to understand that. So here's what I'm thinking is that maybe God said, I love this earth, this place, these people so much that I actually want to go and show them. I want to come in with an understanding, with that veil removed, with the knowledge and the capacity to put that knowledge aside. I love it so much that I actually want to go and I want to show them how much love can transcend all of these things, how very real my presence is here. But I want to show them that because I want them to know that they are just as holy, that they have within them the same thing. Because here's the thing, y'all, we are all God's imagination. We are all part of God's imagination. So what if God, when God created all of this, said, I want to know what it is to experience a sensory experience? What if God said, I want to know what it feels like to feel the wind on my cheek? Because God does not have a cheek. God's cheek is made manifest here. We are all the incarnations of God. And that's hard to stomach because we want to feel terrible. It's easier to feel terrible. I'm telling you, we do not need to feel terrible. And that often feeling terrible, unless it's a way of introducing us to a deeper knowledge and understanding of how to be, it just ends where it is. And by that, I mean it ends where it is in that it's, that's all it is. You feel terrible, that's the end of it. Life is not born from feeling terrible for the sake of feeling terrible. Does that make sense? We feel terrible. Thank you for that also. I was, Patrick, that was a little. It's like, clarify that. We are here to learn. I believe we are here to learn that we are holy. I believe that we are here to learn so that we know that our knowledge is not all that is. We are here to learn how to be. To be present with the spirit who is through all of us to the present who loves us so much that that presence wants to be embodied in us. Not just in us, but in the trees, in the flowers, 
in the sun, in the moon, in the breeze. There is no way you can be away from God. There is no way. Your thoughts, I'm sorry to tell you, but it can be a trap. They are helpful. Thinking is great, helpful in small measure. And I say this as somebody who thinks all the time. Or at least acknowledge that your thinking is what it's, your brain is functioning. Say thank you for the brain which has such a great capacity to think so well. Thank you. Thank you. But I'm going to sit and be present. So as we go today, or as you move throughout your day, I would invite you to reconsider God's presence in you. Maybe some of you are already at a place where you're like, no, I don't, need to, I don't need to reconsider. I know that God is in and through me and all it is, and this is all a, an illusion of separation, and we're really one in spirit. If you're there, that's great. Please come on over, because I could use a mentor. Because <laughs> I'm not there. But I believe that we can be there. And I will tell you that the more that I am learning to be present, the more this text makes sense. The more a lot of text, the more also I need to dismiss less and less from text or try to figure out... Stuff that is uncomfortable, it doesn't drive. What I'm finding again and again and again is that God is through it all and easily accessible. Just being present. Just being present. Amen.